You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Midland, Texas. Redeemer Church is a gospel-centered missional family. If you would like to get more information or donate to this ministry, please visit www.redeemermidland.org. Amen, amen, amen. Good morning. Are you happy to be here this morning? I hope that you are. Some of you may not be, and even if you are not, I hope that when you leave today, you will have been happy that you were here uh, in retrospect. I know so many of you come in with so many different things, but uh, I echo what the psalmist said when he said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord, um, because you find some encouragement, maybe that you didn't even know that you need, or some uh, instruction, or some conviction. Um, so wh- whatever it is, I don't know, we, we talk about often that God does something uh, when people gather, and we open up His Word and we, uh, we sing to Him and we ask Him to speak to us through His Word and through His uh, people and through His Spirit. And He does so in so miraculous, just very different ways. Uh, it's amazing to me that people can come in with just very different uh, challenges and hurts and, and joys and uh, God will speak to each one of us uh, in the place that we're at. So that's what I have prayed for this morning. Uh, if you have a Bible, let me invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to be um, uh, in a portion of that this morning. Uh, Throughout the year, normally, and this has happened now for seven years, uh, we'll periodically take different breaks and we'll hit different topics, mainly to just uh, constantly remind us who we are and what we are about as the people of God, as the church of God, Uh, because the church is a very, very important thing to understand. Uh, It's part of God's design uh, for how He is uh, moving in the world and what His purpose and his accomplishment, uh, it, what his, he hopes to accomplish in the world, he's designed to use the church in a certain way. Uh, if you think about Jesus wanting to um, get his glory, just the, the weightiness of who he is and what he was doing uh, in the, on the cross, he was wanting to get that out to the world. Uh, he wants to get blessing out to the world. He wants to get the message of the gospel out to the world. Uh, then he sat down, and with those things in mind, he said, I will build my what? Oh, that was pathetic. I will build my church. No, that was still. Come on, I need some help. I will build my You need to know some things about the church. We need to be reminded about some things about the church, the heartbeat of what Jesus is doing on the planet. A lot of it has to do with the church. So we're going to pause uh, our parable series, and we're going to hit Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to talk about uh, God's design uh, for His church in a very specific way, because I think we're at a moment in time uh, where this is a very timely and pointed message that we need to hear. Uh, because just my experience, I didn't do some multi-million dollar uh, research project on this. This is just Jason Hatch looking around, talking to people the last few months. Uh, a lot of people are really beat down right now. Uh, I have not experienced the, uh, the amount of uh, just discouragement and frustration and depression and anxiety um, in these last few months. It's just been worse in my experience than it has been in, in a long, long time. And maybe that's not your story. Maybe you're like, I was doing great till I came in here and you started talking about all the challenges of the world. If that's you, praise God. I'm just saying it seems like there is a very, um, a, a very uh, heaviness that people are torn down, they're beat down, uh, and they need some encouragement. And I actually even did see a study, uh, a Gallup poll that just recently came out. Maybe you saw this. Uh, Gallup just does uh, this, these big monster polls all over. This one is a global poll. And uh, what they did in the Gallup uh, 
poll uh, was that they were looking at the, um, the, the rise of unhappiness. And this is what they have tracked um, throughout from 2006 to 2021. Um, the, that, that line that's kind of steadily going up is not uh, happiness, it's unhappiness, which I don't, I hate to even say this, but in the article they were talking about, if you thought 2020 was bad, raise your hand, how many of you thought 2020 was bad. They said, it seems to be getting worse. I don't know what happened. Something awesome happened in 2014, where it just plummeted. Everybody got real happy, uh, and then it went back to the trajectory of unhappiness. So this is not just me seeing this and feeling this and experiencing this and witnessing this in our church, in our community. Uh, some actual statistics would say that actually, like, that there's a, a growing heaviness and angstiness and frustration and anxiety. I saw a study last week that was talking about mainly just teenagers and preteens in our world. Uh, just the rise of anxiety and depression among teens is skyrocketing. It is a very difficult season, so why are we talking about Ephesians 4? Uh, if this is true, that a lot of people are beat down, that, that's the two sides of that coin. Let me, let me explain. Um, if many people are torn down and beat down like never before, then there is an opportunity for people and that people have a need to be built up like never before, right? Like one is a negative side, one is a positive side, that that's an opportunity for the church to truly show up that if people are truly unhappy and beat down, there should be some way that the gospel through the people of God builds them up. It's an opportunity. Uh, and if uh, the opportunity for ministry is huge, the the necessity, the, the, the necessi necess what, what is the word I'm looking for? Necessity. I need your help because I'm struggling this morning. I went to bed at like 2.30, got up at 4.30. God's just got some things going on in my brain and my heart. So pray for me, pray for my mouth. Uh, what was the word? Necessity. If the necessity for ministry is going up, the, the necessity for ministers is growing up, and that's why I want to look at Ephesians chapter 4, because ministers may not mean what you think it means, and so we need to see what God thinks about uh, when He tries to uh, connect the dots between ministers, building people up, serving needs, uh, serving people. So, um, I think life has always been hard. You can look at that uh, graph in one sense, and if you are a student of world history, like, yeah, there's some places in history, it's been a lot worse. Uh, true story. And so, like, life has always been hard, it always will be hard, and part of Jesus' design for flourishing of humans, for uh, the glory of God to get out, for the gospel to get out, for blessings to get out, is all, has always been the church. And oftentimes when the Bible talks about church or the word church, we do talk about like a capital C church, like the global church, which is every true Christian that has put their faith in Jesus in all places at all times comprise one big church, the bride of Christ. But most of the time, when the Bible talks about church, it's talking about something like this, a local gathering of Christians in a certain city, in a certain geography that are committed to the gospel. We've been changed by Jesus. Our, our cards are all in that we believe He is who He said He was, and He did what He said He could do, and he, His promises are true. We're all in. 
We're all in on the gospel. We're all in on each other. We're committed to each other like a family. We, 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 we mourn with those who mourn. We celebrate with those who celebrate. We're committed to the gospel, working itself out in us, to us, and through us as a local body. And so it breaks my heart uh, when uh, Christians kind of go uh, AWOL and think they can follow Jesus without being deeply connected to a local church because that idea, it's foreign to the Scriptures. It just is. It's like the, the, the best way that a human can flourish is when they're born as a, a human being, they're born into a family. When a Christian is born again, God's design is that they are born into a family. So what are we as a church? We are a gospel-centered, missional, now hit it, Bob, family. We're a gospel-centered, missional family. And so we pause often uh, throughout the year just to simply remind ourselves of this. One of the biggest jobs I have as a preacher is just simply reminding us things. Uh, maybe it's not something brand new that you've never thought of or never considered, but to just simply remind us of the same things um, that we need to understand. So Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, it, 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 it's the beginning of the second half of the book of Ephesians, which was written to a local church. Christians committed to Jesus, committed to each other in Ephesus, and the first half of the book, chapters 1, 2, and 3, just completely about the gospel. That's, I mean, there, there are no commands in there. There are no to-dos. It's just simply one of the most stringent descriptions of the gospel and the glory of Jesus. It's just highlighting who Jesus is, what he has done, so that when we get all amped up and, and just like reading through those chapters, like, oh my gosh, it's amazing who Jesus Christ is and what he said. He was perfect. He was sinless. He was flawless in word, in thought, in deed. And then he took our sin upon himself, marched it to the cross, died in our place for our sins to rescue us, to save us, to forgive us, to adopt us. Like there's nothing to do, just things that have been done in the first half of Ephesians. It's just straight gospel. You would be hard-pressed to find a place in the Bible that is more potent with who Jesus is, what Jesus has done. Paul very strategically tries to establish that first. And you need to establish that in your heart before we get into any to-dos for how we should live our lives or even how we should function as a local church. It has to be built upon the gospel. And so the first half, he's just talking about the gospel. It's not good advice. It's just a whole lot of good news. And then, after he establishes that, he shifts to the second half of Ephesians, which is chapter 4, 5, and 6, which, if you'd be hard-pressed to find a more stringent, just straight gospel than the first half, you would be hard-pressed to find a more practical help than the second half of Ephesians. Uh, he talks about things like parenting. How many of you are parents? How many of you are struggling parents? All those that are honest are probably struggling. Uh, it talks about marriage. How many of you are married? I won't go further than that. Uh, it talks about anger. How many of you are angry? You don't have to raise your hand, but maybe you, all of us at some point uh, have dealt with and will deal with anger. He talks about how, in light of the gospel, do we deal with anger. talks about how we use our words, how we use our speech, what to do with our sexuality, uh, how to control our thought life. Uh, talks about singing and what we're supposed to do to sing, with, uh, speak to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. talks about uh, a work ethic. Like It's just, you'd be hard-pressed to find a more practical book than the second half of Ephesians. And a lot of it has to do with how we as Christians who are all in on the gospel live our lives through the local church. 
So, um, a couple things before we get to the verse. Uh, Jesus said, and this was when he had his 12 disciples, and he was thinking about his uh, global cosmic plan to, to, to saturate the globe with the glory of God, to get the gospel out to all nations, uh, to make sure people are, are, are served and blessed and their needs are met. And, and so, as he's getting from point A to point B, he says, listen, I'm going to do something. I'm going to build something that's going to serve my purposes. I will build my church, Jesus said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You cannot get away from how close to the heart and the mission of Jesus the church is. Uh, Three things that Jesus is accomplishing through the church. Number one, I think in in some crazy form or fashion, He is uh, declaring His wisdom to the world, and you may look around and you're like, through us? (laughs) Like, that's kind of crazy, and yet He's he's doing it. Like, it's been, and not even just to the world, but let me read Ephesians chapter 3. Paul says this, so that through the church, church, the, the, the gathering of God's people, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. He's using the church in some miraculous way to display his wisdom to the heavenlies. Number two, to protect the gospel. It's not just a Christian uh, that's to protect the gospel. It's the church that's to protect the gospel. Paul says it this way in 1 Timothy 3. He's talking to Timothy, who is a pastor of, guess what? A local church. I hope to come to you soon, Timothy, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is a phrase for the church, which is the church, the living God, a pillar and a buttress of truth. Paul says, I need you to know how to, how to live your life inside the church because the church is the pillar and the buttress of truth. So did you know that? You're a buttress, right? You're like... He called me a buttress. Can you believe he called me a buttress? That's actually a good thing. That's like a stalwart, a a foundation. The church is the is the 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 the, the keeper of the truth. And then number three, uh, to minister and to serve to people's needs. Uh, It's very similar to a child. Their best shot at health is if they're born or adopted into a family. And so Christians, if we're going to have a lot of our needs met and try to meet somebody else's needs, the best way that that plays out is through the local church. If you're in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, and you're excited about Jesus, say, ready. Paul says this, but grace was given to each one of us. He's talking about Christians. This is in the family, talking to a church, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he, that's Jesus, ascended. Okay, so... He descended from heaven, was born as a human being, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, uh, was put in a grave for three days, and then he rose from the grave, uh, appeared to the disciples, proved that he actually did rise physically, bodily from the grave, and then what? And then he ascended into heaven. That's what it's talking about. When he, Jesus, ascended on high, he led a host of captives free, and he gave gifts to men. So as Jesus is exiting planet earth, he, it says that he gave gifts to men. Now, what are they? Okay, what are the gifts that he's given to men? What are the offices that those men and women hold? Uh, what, what, what are the gifts? Uh, jump down a few more verses to verse 11, and if you don't have a Bible, uh, it's here on the screen as well. And he, Jesus, when he ascended and he gave gifts to men, it says he gave the five things, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. 
there's multiple lists of different gifts that God has given people in the church. This is not an exhaustive list. It's just the list that Paul chose to use in this instance. Uh, so what are the gifts? I want to work through these uh, fairly quickly. Uh, the first one that Paul says is when Jesus left, uh, he sent some gifts down. Uh, the first one he talks about is apostles. I believe uh, there's kind of two ways that the gift of apostleship works itself out. Uh, one is you can think a capital A apostle, which there's only 12, and then uh, second would be a lowercase apostle, which uh, there's been many, I believe, over the years, uh, which is kind of like basically an apostle was a leader of leaders. And you think about the 12 apostles. They were not just leading things. They were leading leaders that would eventually lead a movement, and they fulfilled an incredible role for the church. But you have still have people that are gifted by Jesus in the church to be leaders of leaders, to, uh, to, to lead uh, movements and to lead leaders, and uh, they don't carry the same weight, I don't believe, as the capital A apostles, but they're still helpful and necessary. Uh, number two, he says prophets. Everybody say prophets. Two type of prophets. Don't get these confused. Capital P prophets, lowercase p prophets. Capital P prophets are the ones that wrote the book, okay? They showed up and they said, we speak for God, thus saith the Lord. Oh, by the way, if we get it wrong, kill us because you need to know if God's speaking or not. And so the capital P prophets are people like Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, that God spoke to and said, write this down, thus saith the Lord. And so they say, thus saith the Lord, and it would prove to be true. We wrote it down and we've got the book. That's a capital P prophet. Praise God for prophets, right? They're, they're they were the mouthpieces of God. Uh, lowercase prophets uh, also show up and say, thus saith the Lord, right? You know, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm a lowercase prophet. I'm saying, thus saith the Lord. I'm not telling you this is what God told me in my closet. I'm saying this is what the book says, right? Lowercase prophet, we open up the God's Word. We share to you what the uppercase prophets have taught. Thus saith the Lord because I read it in the book. And if you're like Paul, then I can say, hey, this is what, th thus saith the Lord, I read in the book, you go home, you read your copy of the book, see if that is so. That's what the Bereans did. Do you remember that? No, moving on. Uh, evangelists, everybody say evangelists. People that are burdened for non-Christians to become Christians, and they're gifted to share the gospel or the good news, or the, that word good news is evangelion, which we translate evangelism. They're burdened and they're gifted to share the gospel and to see non-Christians hear, understand, believe, respond to the gospel, become Christians. That's a gift that Jesus gave to the church, evangelists. Uh, number four, he says shepherds. Everybody say shepherds. Uh, in the first century, there was a lot more shepherds than there were cowboys. Cowboys get behind the cattle, right? They do a cattle drive. Shepherds get in front of the sheep, and they lead the sheep. They feed the sheep. They protect the sheep. So when he talks about shepherds, he's talking about people in the church uh, that have a function, really an office of an elder, that uh, they lead and they care for the sheep. They tend the sheep. They feed the sheep through the teaching of God's Word. Uh, this says that that was a gift that Jesus gave to the church. Number five, it says teachers. Everybody say teachers. And this can be a, like a, somebody that stands on a stage and teaches a lot of people. This can be somebody that sits across a coffee table with you and just has a way about them where they can help you connect the dots in the Bible to see what's going on. They're just gifted by teaching. Jesus gave a gift of teaching to a lot of different people for His glory, for our good. Okay, what are the gifts? That's them. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. Are we, are we good with that? Okay, He ascended. 
and he gave gifts to men, at least those five. Now, before we talk about what they are for, I want to talk about what they are not for. Because ironically, what, they, what those like giftings were given by Jesus to the church are not for is oftentimes how we see them or use them or, or, or kind of try to experience leadership in the church. Uh, because I think a lot of just the American culture has seeped into our being and our psyche, and so we carry that kind of uh, consumeristic mentality into the church, and we uh, expect something from apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers that they're not designed to do. So what are they not for? Uh, three real big things that they're not for that many uh, people in America treat um, these gifts as. Number one, not for entertainment, okay? Not for entertainment. Some of you are like, that's not why I come. You're not that entertaining. Praise the Lord, that's not my job. I do want to be engaging where you see that the Bible and the gospel has to do with uh, real life, but like the goal is not to be entertained. And But a lot of people treat it that way, like I just want to come. Where's the, where's the pastor? Where's the teacher so that I am entertained? And if you watch things online or if you see experiences, like what is going on? Like they're cheering, not for, for Jesus, not for God, but just for kind of this entertainment. And so if it's for entertainment, I'm just telling you there's better ways to be entertained. Like, have you seen Top Gun? Like, if you want to be entertained, praise God, go. Go watch a movie. That's not what, uh, the, that, that's not what, God, uh, what Jesus gave the gifts for. Uh, number two, they're not for, and here, let, I need to explain this one as I roll it out. Not for meeting all of your needs, okay? Hang with me. Do I believe it meets some of our needs? Absolutely. But the consumeristic American mindset can seep into us, and we walk into a church, and I'm like, I'm just here for somebody, some of the leadership, some of those with the special giftings uh, to meet my needs and to serve me, and so the sermon needs to be engaging, Redeemer kids better be rocking, the co- coffee better be hot, the parking lot better be close, and we're just kind of like, we just kind of walk into church like we walk into other things in a culture, thinking they're just, they're here to, to serve me and to meet all my needs. Can we agree that's probably not a good way to treat the church. I'll explain why in a moment. Number three, uh, and the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers do not exist to do all the ministry, okay? To do all the sharing of the gospel, all the discipleship, all the caring for widows, all the caring for orphans, the job of the leaders, the gifted leadership in this context is not to do all the ministry. So, What happens if we treat the church that way? If we expect to be entertained, if we expect to just show up and have all of our needs met, and we expect somebody else to do all the ministry, these three things happen. Number one, uh, if uh, if, if we expect to be entertained uh, and we kind of want that or force that, then what you have is we trade the purpose of the church uh, for something that the church is not designed to do, and you're probably just going to get bored because it's not going to be that entertaining if that's what you are here for. Uh, Spurgeon, uh, he's, he's my dude. I love reading him. He was a pastor in uh, Britain in the uh, 1900s, uh, and he said, there's coming a day, and he, I guess he saw this cultural trajectory. He said, there's coming a day when the shepherds won't be feeding the sheep. It'll be the clowns entertaining the goats. Think about that for a minute. He just has a way to just like stick it to you. Um, and so if, if you see that as uh, entertainment versus being equipped, uh, you just kind of set up for failure. Number two, uh, you become entitled. 
Like if we come at it just strictly as consumeristic Americans, we're like entitled that like the whole world needs to serve me. And everybody needs to meet my needs. And that's not a gospel way of living life. And the last thing that happens is if we come in expecting the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to do all the ministry, two things happen. Church leaders burn out and quit because they can't do it, and Christians get bored because they're doing nothing. That, that's just a bad deal. Some of you, like, you're like, I'm just kind of bored. I'm just kind of bored with Christianity. I just show up and, you know, Sunday hope that the coffee's hot, and I just kind of bored. Like, I promise you, <laughs> there's plenty of work to do. Do you all know they're doing some work on I-20 down south, and I drove through the other day, and there were seven work, uh, workers uh, that were standing there. One guy at least had a shovel in his hand. He was, like, going to fix I-20 with a shovel, and the other five or six were just standing there, and they looked bored. I'm like, well, it's not because there's not work to do. Like, they're just not doing it, right? Like, if you come in to just get all your needs met and expect somebody else to do it, you're just going to get bored. Not because there's not work to do, but maybe you're not doing the work, okay? Now, enough about this. So let's get back to the Scripture. That's what, not, what, what they're not for. Now, what was in Jesus' mind when He strategized the church and He gifted the church with these five functions? What was He trying to do? What are they for? I am so glad that you asked because we need to get this right. Not, not just generically, specifically in this moment, in this church, in this context, we need to get this right because a lot of people need help, they need serving, they need encouragement. And so what is God's design to meet those needs? Verse 12, He's given all these gifts, the evangelists, the prophets, the apostles, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That, that, that's the purpose, that's the reason, that's the heart and the intent of Jesus, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So he's given these gifts to equip. Okay, what does the word equip mean? When I was in seventh grade, uh, I, uh, I joined the football team uh, in Bushland, Texas, just outside of Amarillo. It was a little bitty 1A school, and so everybody was on the A team. It was awesome. And uh, I remember day one where you just it was equipment day. You walk in, and the equipment manager gives you your equipment. He's like, if you're going to play football, you're going to need a few tools, a few things, a few pads, uh, just one helmet, and they give you all your equipment. What are they doing? They're equipping you. They're giving you the tools you need to then go out and do something or accomplish something. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, what are they doing? They're equipping. They're giving someone the tools and the ability to then go out and do something else. To do what? To equip who? The saints. I want you to say this with gusto, with gut. To equip the who? The saints. We have talked about this so much over the years. Who are the saints? Some pathetic football team, right? No. Who are the saints? Like, I mean, if you're brand new to the gospel, you're probably thinking, I don't know, St. Augustine or Augustine or however you say it, or St. Peter or St. Tom. Like, there's some heroes that just crushed it. No. <laughs> no, a saint is somebody who Jesus says, I forgive that person, I impute my righteousness to them, I change them, they are now a saint. A saint, it's the same thing as a Christian, right? If you're a Christian, guess what? You're a saint. You say, I don't feel like a saint. It doesn't matter. (laughs) 
Praise God. It doesn't matter how we feel. It matters what He says. We're not a saint because of our, uh, our, our, our resume, because of our performance. We're a saint because of our position in Christ. If you're in Christ, you're forgiven. You're a saint. So what is the job of the leadership of the church? To equip the saints, to give some equipment to all the Christians, to all the saints. Uh, to do what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, okay? For the work of ministry. Uh, or to be a minister. So, don't miss this. Who is a minister? Only paid leadership or every Christian that bears the name of Jesus? We, we need to get this right. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip, to, to use those giftings, to give the tools and the knowledge to, to, to God's people. Because what Jesus is doing, He's not trying to get 5% of Christians out there doing something. He's trying to mobilize an entire army of ministers and servants to go push the gospel of Jesus to the world, to meet people's needs, to serve them, and to minister. He says, to, to, for, the, for ministry. And that's where we get the word deacon. It, it literally means to, to, to serve. And so you think, well, what is ministry? If I'm a saint because Jesus said I am and I'm being equipped and given the equipment to go do ministry, what is the ministry? And it's a very broad and a very vague thing. Basically, if there's a need, that's an opportunity for ministry, okay? A handful of ways that that shows up. If you're thinking, man, okay, I'm a, I'm a saint that Jesus has designed the church in this way. When a part of what Sunday is where you come and you get equipped, not all of it, but part of it, is you come and you get equipped to do the ministry. What does that mean? Uh, evangelism, okay? Evangelism is not the job just of paid ministry leaders. It's the job of Christians to do the work of evangelism to share the gospel, to try to befriend people that are not believers, to pray for them, to share the gospel with them, to uh, encourage them, to love them so that they might meet the Jesus who is in you. Uh, discipleship. Whose job is it to disciple people? Say the saints. <laughs> to every single Christian should be engaged in making disciples. If you've been a Christian for a week, you know enough to help somebody else. You, you probably have a Bible, right? And that's enough to start. To, to get engaged in doing the work of ministry, to evangelism, discipleship, uh, counseling, to give wise counsel to somebody. I'm not asking you to step into uh, areas where you're untrained or you're uncomfortable, but there's a lot of counsel that people need. In fact, if I can say this, our counseling department is overwhelmed, um, booked out for months and months, and part of what they're seeing is that a lot of people that are coming to counseling, which we're all, I'm, I'm, I'm pro counseling. I mean, we, we started a counseling program. We hired some incredible ladies that are gifted counselors, but what they're seeing is a lot of people, they're like, they just need like community and a Christian friend that can give them wisdom and counsel. We need an army to get to counseling, encouraging. If every Christian at Redeemer considered themselves an encourager, could you imagine what might change? Like to have nobody that's discouraged or at least discouraged for lack of encouragement. Like to, to be engaged in that ministry where you see somebody, like they're just, they're beat down, they're tired, they're discouraged, they're depressed. Oh, I'm a minister. 
And I've been equipped, and I'm going to go into this space, and I'm going to use the gospel and use the scripture and pray and encourage them. Uh, prayer. What an incredible ministry. That's not just the job of uh, leadership. It's the job of every Christian to be equipped to do the ministry to pray. What about serving uh, the poor, serving uh, widows, uh, taking care of uh, foster kids or orphans? Like it, it, every Christian has a role to play. So what happens? If, if, we, if, we, if we hear Jesus speaking to us and we see His design for this, like what happens as the whole church, we get equipped from all the different angles to go out into the world and to do ministry, uh, He says this happens, uh, for building up the body of Christ. Again, back to the intro, if a lot of people are beat down right now, what they need is what? Is to be built up. How does God plan to do that? Through an army of people that are equipped to do ministry. And if we do, he says, we build up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is the heart of Jesus for the church. So if you look at the past and like the beginning of the book of Ephesians, it's all about the gospel. It's like, wow, what Jesus has done and who He is, I am all in. He's changing me. I believe it. He's using me. His Spirit uh, is in me. He's filling me up. I'm submitted to His Word. Now I'm in a community of people that are, are, are challenging me and encouraging me and loving me. Like That's what He's done in the past. What He's doing, doing in the future, it says, until we attain the... Uh, could you imagine if somebody said this about you? Like, you know that guy? You know that girl, they are the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What would you do? <laughs> You'd be like, what? No. <laughs> okay, you don't know, but that's our destiny. Okay, so, so like the past is what Jesus has done. The future is what He has promised to do and accomplish in us, and He won't stop until He is done perfecting the work in us. And what do you have in the middle? You have in the middle the church that's cherishing and loving the gospel, getting equipped to do the ministry so that we go out. Every single saint has a role to play. This is a moment in time where I believe if the need is there, the church should shine. So when you come in, you come in with needs, absolutely, and I pray those needs are met. You come in with discouragement, I pray somebody encourages you. But I'd love for all of you to come into the body of Christ, to Redeemer, and to think, how can I get equipped to do the work of ministry? And then you go throughout the week and you start to see things differently, ministry opportunities, which honestly, as I close, has been one of the favorite things in my life these past few years is to truly see an army of people at Redeemer. That when we throw out a, a, a need, that, that somebody has a financial, a physical, a, 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 a food need, I mean, just people from all over, like, boom, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll serve, I'll serve, I'll be there, I'll give, I'll go, I'll pray. God's doing it, and it's making a difference. Jesus ascended, and He gave gifts to men. He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be shepherds, some to be teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until the day when He is done, till we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let's pray.
Jesus, we need the kingdom values to come break some of our American tendencies. God, I pray that you would constantly recalibrate our minds and our hearts for your mission in the world, that you said that you came not to be served, but to serve, to give your life as a ransom for many, and you're creating an army of people that have been uh, not just changed by you, but you're making them become like you. God, we want to be servants in the world that bear the gospel. We want to be people that are just evangelists for our lost friends and family and co-workers. God, there is a lot of ministry needs around us. So I just pray that you would help every Christian in this room, every saint, to see that you have given them a family to encourage them, to challenge them, to walk with them, and also to equip them to do work for your name in this city. God, would you turn your spirit loose in us in Midland for the glory of Christ. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. I pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Church. If you want to connect with us at Redeemer, we would love for you to visit us at a service in person or visit us online at www.redeemermidland.org.